This is TDPS. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Are you sick of doing promos for my new books yet? That depends. Are we at the beach? Yes, we're at Sapphire Cove, the fictional Southern California resort featured in my new gay romance series coming in 2022. This is alarming. When did we go outside? You were transported by the powerful prose of C. Travis Rice. That's my new pen name devoted to steamy and emotional tales of romance between men. Yeah, no, that's not it. I was about to eat a sandwich in the studio, and now I'm being harassed by seagulls. Brandon, get rid of the seagulls, please. Oh, that's much better. Now I have to pee. First, pre-order your copy of Sapphire Sunset, the first installment in the Sapphire Cove series, which goes on sale March 1st, 2022, from Blue Box Press, when a new member of the resort security department falls hard for the nephew of the wealthy family that owns the place, sparks fly, and sexy scandal ensues at Sapphire Cove. Uh, Yeah, could you pre-order that for me? I'm going to run to the little podcaster's room. Brandon! Come get this seagull! I can't help it if my writing sets the scene. I know what I'm going to set if someone doesn't come get this seagull. Where'd you get that sandwich? Sapphire Sunset, the first book in the Sapphire Cove series from C. Travis Rice. Now available for pre-order. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Have you been to my website lately? Why would I go to your website? You're sitting right here. Well, it's the place to find out all about my new books. Why would I go to your website for that? Again, you're sitting right here. All right. Well, for people who aren't right here, ChristopherRiceBooks.com is a great place to get information about my new releases. Which you'll give me copies of because I'm sitting right here. Yeah, maybe. But for those who aren't currently sitting in our studio on the Sunset Strip, check out my website, sign up for my mailing list, and check out all the posts on my blog where I talk smack about Eric Shaw Quinn. What smack? Shut up and read this new book I wrote. Fuck that and fuck ChristopherRiceBooks.com. This ad did not go as planned. This was an ad? Hi, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. And welcome to the official back-to-school episode. My tentative proposed title is Hack to School. We're not gonna take it. <laughs> oh, dear. That's my... Christopher's turning into a, a supervillain right in front of my eyes. High school does that to me. Were you a supervillain in high school? I wanted to be a supervillain in high school. I think everybody wanted to be a supervillain in high school. I'm going to tell everybody what we did up front, and then we can get into all this tomfoolery and shit. What did we do up front? I'm going to say what we did with our party people, the the subject of this episode. We asked our party people if you could do high school over again. (laughs) I thought there was some big confession coming. I I said fire to the bathroom during the break. We'll get a new one. Insurance will pay. No, um, we will. <laughs> that old trick. That old, the old bathroom fire trick. We asked our party people if you could do high school over again, what would you do differently? And we got a lot of answers. The question was hop and pop. They didn't just ignore us like usual. They didn't ignore us like usual. Because <laughs> it was about them. It's like me with the drinking. Well, I think everybody has thought that. Yes. Like, because. 
you're pretty young when you're in high school. You don't think so at the time, but you are actually pretty young and you're pretty stupid and you make some really <laughs> seriously bad choices. And then afterwards you think, fuck, why did I do that? I yeah. should have done this. Like right. I should have spent the entire time in high school in the gym. In the gym? Working out. Really? Why? Why well, do you say that? Yeah. Because it would have been a useful, it would have been, you know, productive use of my time. <laughs> I don't mean like playing sports. Yeah. I mean literally getting, being physically fit wasn't a thing until later. But yeah. I think it would have been really a healthier choice for me mm -hmm. at the time. I'm not sorry. I had a ball in high school. Did you now? Oh, my God. I had the best time in high school. I always feel bad for people who say they had a terrible time in high school. Mm-hmm. Like I just like me. <laughs> well, we, but we've discussed that you actually yeah. had a great time in high school, and you just didn't realize. You were <laughs> I didn't a great realize because I didn't know how bad it could be. Yeah, you didn't really have a sense yeah. of that. You didn't know how good you had it. You yeah, weren't paying that's attention true. to that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I had a ball. I really had a great time in high school. Like it was still there was an enormous amount of homophobia, but it was like, what are you going to do? You know. Mm -hmm. And I had, I really found my place. And what was your place? Oh. The theater department. Yeah. I just was. I came in and took over. I was the was the president of the theater club, which was one of the larger organizations on campus for most of my time, like consecutive years, not like just once, like See, for a long period of time. See, that was the difference between our control. experience. Yeah, you had a big theater department. We had an ailing, struggling, feeble theater department. I was in charge of it, so maybe it was my fault. Maybe the fish rotted from the head down. Maybe but so. We needed you, Eric. I really, I can't take the credit like I would like to, but it was... I take credit for doing what I did, but it was a substantial department. Did you have a budget to work with, like a considerable budget? We did okay. Like the school did kicked in some, and we earned some. Like we we had our, a dedicated theater, okay. and we were able to you know sell tickets and raise money. I was never clear on the actual way that the finances were handled. I think the school probably paid for a larger percentage of what we had. What we had was Lowry Green mm -hmm. kind of set things up. And I think she, I think everybody who worked in the administration at the school was terrified to oh, tell Lowry no. And right. so she really built mm -hmm. a solid program so that by the time I came along, it was a well-established, really enormous yeah. program with because the quality of the productions were so high, there was a real big turnout from the school. People were interested in being part of it. It wasn't an embarrassing mm -hmm. afterthought. It was a full-blown, really pretty remarkable. Mm -hmm. um, uh, she left after my first year, and so that even increased my power because the new person came on, but I had been there. And so you I was knew where all the keys. I were. knew where all the levers and keys and the were. Bodies I knew where the bodies were buried. were buried. Absolutely, I knew who to ask. So really, sort of she and you know, like we, it became a partnership. We had a, mm. there was a period of adjustment, but we really sort of, and then by so by the time it was my senior year, yeah, right, I was really like. The, you know, the head motherfucker in charge. Like, I was really, it was a substantial kind of um, connection. And it gave me this enormous group of friends. Like, we would go to the football games together as a group. Mm. And we would sit behind the band, and they would ask us what music they wanted. we wanted them to play and what cheers we wanted to do next. Wow. Like, it was, we were sort of the, like, like that's, because I love that shit. Mm -hmm. um, I used to love, I would go to pep rallies, and people would say, well, 
I saw you at the pep rally, and I would think there were 3,000 people there. There was two different bands, tw- a cheer squad, cheerleaders, flag performance, and a guest speaker, and you saw me? Mm-hmm. The, I was like, I must have really been. I think maybe they just meant they heard you. That's probably true, too. Yeah. Like I was, but I enjoyed it. I loved the Good. cheering and the chanting and the carrying on, and we, and, you know, like, so that was just like a small component. We we had a great time. Lots of parties, lots of cast parties, lots of big plays, and lots of, and a lot of people to hang around with. So the fact that this sort of active discrimination against me for being who I was was like a fact of life, but it wasn't the only fact of life. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, I had a ball. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, and you? My great regret is that... Um, I didn't get more dick than I did, and I think I was the biggest obstacle to that. Oh, my God. That's so true. Yeah. Like, I think a lot more people would have said yes if I had made any Absolutely. Effort. Like, I think of some guys now that would, their bullying was more on the line of flirting, and I think if I had crooked my finger in the right location, I could have had a good time yeah. with so-and-so, who no. will remain nameless. But I, that's, a, that's a, a crude way of saying I was my own worst enemy in high school. I think everybody was. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I actually haven't read the responses that we got, so I don't know where the where the responses are going to go. I just know we got a lot of them. They could just be writing about that giveaway we haven't done yet. But, <laughs> where um, the fuck is my book? Um, but that's my sense of opportunities not taken advantage yes, of because absolutely. of fear, right? My own self-centered fear. I was deeply invested in this idea that I was bisexual when I really wasn't, and I was trying to put a lot of energy in that. There was a lot of trying to date women and trying to make it work with women. And if I had it to do over again, I just would would not. Well, I would give yourself credit for determining that you weren't. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if there were questions in your mind, I think it's perfectly valid choice to try and see if, like, I always, I am always big on that. Well, then go give it the best college right. try. See if you like it. If you don't, well, then great. And I don't mean just sexually. I mean everything in life. If you think something is an interest of yours, you should try it. And it yeah. turns out it's not. Well, then you know. And that's not time wasted. So mm-hmm. I would give you more credit th- Give yourself more yeah. credit for that then. Because, I mean, Buddy, at 18 years old, graduated from high school, it was the gay bar and no looking back. I yeah. went down to the Bourbon Pub and Parade in Oz and the French Quarter in New Orleans, and I was home. You I had was made up parked. your mind. You knew, yeah. what you, had, you knew what you wanted, yeah. and that was fine. That's what you found out. And I think that's great. I, I continued to sort of, like, consider, like, there were people that I had sort of crush, crushes on, girls that I had mm-hmm. crushes on. Probably sophomore year would have been the end of it, maybe yeah. freshman year. But like, yeah, there was, there was a couple, but not a huge group. And I never did anything about it. There was never like dating or going to the prom. But it was still that sort of like, because I wasn't having like this big sex life, so it wasn't like there was some basis for comparison. Mm-hmm. And some of the romance um, did. The thing that was always just sort of the end for me was there was just zero kind of like women's bodies look fine to me, but I just, I, there's nothing sexual there for me. I don't see any aspect of it. That's like mm-hmm. compelling. Yeah. I think boobs are kind of weird. Oh, you know, they they look great on women and like terrific, but there's nothing about them that I think, Oh wow, that's really sexy. It just, mm-hmm. that's just not a thing for me. And yeah. The rest of it, I just completely it's more like the absence rather than the presence, you know, like. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think there, what I discovered was the disturbing power of 
trying to convince yourself that something was desirable because a lot of other people desired it. The weird mental head trick. Right, the, what is it, the law of attraction yeah. or whatever? Yeah, like, well, I think, the, isn't the law of attraction like you can draw it to you if you just think about it? But I also think it's like, it's like a perversion of the law of attraction. You try to gear yourself towards the thing everybody else is thinking about. It's conformity. Right, really you make people attracted to you by making yeah. people be, by being attracted to, yeah. Yeah, it, it, you know, and it was it was really weird. It, it, it people ob- are attracted to what they think other right. people are attracted to. That's, it ob- I think, it objectifies people on a level that's beyond just sort of sexy, well, porny stuff. I just think that's teenage. Yeah. You know, that's the adolescent body right. part and I, celebration. A strategy sex. that I would see, that I, I think a lot of gay men did employ during that time that I employed was to throw yourself at the most beautiful popular girl because you knew you didn't have a shot, but you could make a performance out of it. You could make, you could display oh. this desire and other people would see That's you doing it. But there was no risk of it being reciprocated because really she was the most popular girl in school. I remember a guy that I always wondered about. Uh-huh. That's really interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, so that was the thing I, I pulled a lot of. But I also gave it, you know, I really tried. I got in there. I, d- I did some work. I learned things. But Yeah, um, you were so much more precocious than you give yourself credit for. There was <laughs> a lot happening. fucking whore in high no, school. No, it wasn't that, yeah. but there was plenty of activity. There was a lot going on. Yeah, for general, for most people, I think I think if you gave, gave yourself full credit, you would be more impressed with your high school but I'll tell you, this is the thing that I feel very grateful about, and this has now been a topic on a couple of recent episodes that we've done. I didn't, as a as a young person or as a high schooler, end up in any sexual marketplaces with adults. You know, and you hear that a lot, particularly from queer men of a certain generation, where it's like they had no high school options, so they went to rest stops and they went, or they were even more recently getting on apps with grown men. Like, I never felt victimized or preyed upon um, by grownups during that time. And I, I'm grateful that that's my story. You know, I think some of that is because I didn't fit the profile of, of a lot of the young men that we talk about on episodes here that get targeted, you know, that the predators target guys who are coming and, and girls who are coming from fragile, weak uh, home lives and ba- family backgrounds. I think pretty much any adult who wanted to mess with me knew that my mother would probably hunt them down and kill them if she found out about it. So that, yeah, that casts a pallor of protection around you. Yeah. But I'm always astonished by the stories that I often hear young gay men tell with pride about sleeping with grown-ups in high school and, and like it's no big deal. And I'm like, whew. <laughs> but it's, I think there is a certain amount of like seeing people older than you as attractive. You know what right, I mean? Yeah. Like, like there was like, I guess there was a point after which it might've seemed like predatory, but there were people, I remember one friend saying that he was an altar boy at, um, at Catholic church or whatever, whatever they call him. Um, and he said, funny, I did everything I could wow. to try and get somebody's attention and yeah. nothing. I twirled that my, yeah. whatever it's called, my, Investments. Yes, but good. You know? Good and that nobody he didn't would, get anybody's nobody would attention. Be, but, yeah. he, but he heard the reputation and he yeah. was looking for... I, it's one of the reasons that the the statutory laws are written the way that they are. Like, getting a horny teenager to say yes or be interested is not, the, is not what's at issue. Right. It's that these are not people who should be making this decision and right. you are not allowed to encourage them to make that decision or right. you are held liable for it. And so I think that... 
a lot of times it's just the availability. The notion of yeah. being sexually active is enough yeah. for most teenage people yeah. because the hormones are so raging and the it just is like, I, you just, I want to do it. I got to do it. I have to do it. I have to do it now. Like, yeah, right. I don't earth what I want to wait. Why can't I, what are you, and everybody's being so unfair to me. Right. And I think that's, I think that leads people to, I'm not justifying being predatory, but no. I am saying that it leads people like, I think of the, um, the principal character from Queer as Folk. Right. Who I, uh, while I'm not the biggest Queer as Folk fan, have always found like, yeah, that's about right. Like mm-hmm. the the teenage the teenager who's trying to get into the bar, getting the fake ID, trying to hang out with older people right. than whatever, and trying to score the hottest older guy. Not ancient or weird right. or creepy, but like you know, the twenty something year old yeah. junior executive who seems like the center of the universe when you're that age and yeah. wish somebody would pay attention to you. I think there's that. Yeah. As an aspect of, of a lot of people's experience. I say that I've been I was trying to think of it even as we were talking, if there was anybody who I, you know, from the more grown up realm. I know that, you know, the older boys were yeah. always seemed very intriguing to me, even before I even understood sexuality. Oh, yeah, there was definite attraction to people who were who were older and there were crushes on teachers and talking about like which teacher do you think is the hottest? But I think the thing that stuns me is the stories of, of 13, 14 and 15-year-old gay guys going to rest stops with 40-year-old men. That's like, holy shit, and you hear those stories. So, And that is a generation. I tell you, what saved yeah. me from that was that I'm the generation, and what saved yeah. me from that was that nothing about that seems sexy. <laughs> the rest I just of, yeah. think that's disgusting. I don't yeah. even like peeing in public restrooms. <laughs> I'll be goddamned if I'm going in there and have sex with somebody. Yeah. Yuck. Right. Right, you know, I was always too big a princess for really the bigger risk. I wanted to, you know, be taken to a lovely place for dinner and a a luxury hotel thereafter. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Eric and I aren't just podcasters. And bitches. That's right. We're also authors. And you can buy all of our books at www.thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv and wherever ebooks are sold. At thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv, you can check out my Right Murder mystery series. Or sample my Burning Girl thrillers. The best part is, the more you buy our books, the less likely we'll end up filling the spot with an annoying ad for a napkin that counts your calories. The TDPS Network, alienating potential advertisers one promo at a time. So let's find out. Okay. So speaking of crushes and attractions, Amy Wallace had this to say in response to our question. She says, I was repeatedly made fun of for having a crush on someone. Uh It was always like a trap I fell into being made fun of because I blush furiously like a tomato if I like someone or I'm excited or laughing hard. Bright red. The only thing I would fix going back would be to use a green-tinted moisturizer to correct the blushing and hide it better. (laughs) I do not even wear makeup, but that little SPF with green tint would have helped majorly. Also, I would not have allowed myself to take an acne drug now banned for health reasons. That's all. Oh, dear. I don't know anything about that. I think there was one of them caused um, 
fertility issues with women. I think. Oh, that's later, yeah. awful. I, yeah. the only one I, there was something called acne tain or something that I remember from a million years uh-huh. ago, but yeah. God only knows that was probably the, the skin cures from my youth. The things that people. Well, Amy, I completely, I completely get it. I had a crush on someone continuously until I was in my mid thirties. There was always somebody. That was in my sights, mm-hmm. starting at the time for there to be somebody in my sights right. until I was in my mid-30s. And it was like, huh, maybe this isn't the best way to pursue this. You just came to you like that, that realization? No, I just, I had somebody do me wrong. Uh-huh. And I just, there wasn't, they weren't immediately replaced by somebody. You know, there wasn't somebody already that I was ready to have another crush on. It was the first time that it ever happened to me. I was just done. Mm-hmm. I was done with this guy. He was like weird and strange. And we even continued to date after that, but, or try to. It was very weird. He was very weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but yeah, it just didn't. It was there was nobody waiting in the wings. I had not set that up, and I realized that I had been doing that pretty much since my, you know, adolescent high school days of always having another crush, ready to replace the the one immediately previous. Yeah, yeah. No, the biggest realization of my life was years later, even older than that, when it was like. I realized I was not interested in anybody terrible. Mm, mm-hmm. I wasn't interested in anyone, right. but I was not interested in somebody terrible. And I thought, this is really an achievement for you, Eric. Well, Carol Horger Bull says, I wouldn't have wasted my time with my high school boyfriend. Aww. Huge mistake. Oh, dear. I should have spent all that time with a boy who was a friend that could have been more. Wow. I hadn't thought about this in years, she says. I think I would have stood up to my mother more. Not disrespectfully, just having a voice in my life. Interesting. So she feels like having spent high school, I I spent high school with so many different potentials, whatevers, that the idea of wasting a lot of time on one doesn't even occur to me. Wasn't even. I mean, I guess there was an unrequited attraction that I nursed to one in particular that I guess the energy could have been better spent elsewhere. But Oh, God. I had one unrequited attraction. Attraction from the time I was 16, 15, something like that, until I was 30. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like a continuous sort of, there was other little attractions along the way, but it was, there was somebody from high school that I just thought was the one, and it was never the one. Never the one. Trevor Schaefer, to be honest, I wouldn't do anything differently. Everything happened the way it was supposed to happen. I had a dreadful high school experience, and yes, I've often thought about what I could have done to change that, but that's a thought experiment that gets me nowhere and changes nothing. Here, here. For better or worse, I was meant to live through that mess. I hate it, but there it is. Yeah, you know, I think it's always worth, if you change it, like, if you love who you are now, everything that you did before this is what got you there. Like, right, yeah. Would you want to not be who you are now? And I, I don't. Yeah. Tommy Ann Elkis Gunther. Oh, wow, she says. Quite the question. I went to a Catholic all-girls high school. If I had to do high school over again, I would probably go to a local public school. <laughs> I'll bet. I do not think I was socialized well enough in the high school I went back to in the day. I wish I had been around both boys and girls, and I wish I had dated and learned more about people in general. Having said that, I could also see myself going to school in a different country. The U.S. was not and is not the country I appreciate at all. 
Our society needs a real overhaul. Sorry, I got off on a tangent there. I don't know. That sounds pretty. No, pretty I completely. Relevant. I get that. I, I think that there is a sort of dog eat dog, thrown to the wolves kind of mentality about the way we do education and mm-hmm. treat children in this country. That's like, really? Is that really? We can't do better than this. I just, yeah. I find it really odd. It's a strange thing because I think it's, you know, our most valuable resource. And what are we doing to develop it? Mm-hmm. Now, how do you explain, though, to me, like, what do you think is the doggy dog, an example of the doggy dog mentality when it comes to education? Is it the but grading we just, system? We just college? throw kids into this sort of vat and you're just treated however you get treated. Yeah. Like, there is no sense of like, like, what in our, nothing in our system incense or rewards anybody doing a good job in school, mm-hmm. right? The people at the top of the food chain in school look good or play good in sports or something like that, but it's not that you're brilliant or you're going to grow up to be Bill Gates or any of those kinds of things. None of those things are rewarded. We do not report, reward people in our society for exceptionalism until the end of the game, not mm. along the way. Mm-hmm. Like we're not developing people. We're not saying, oh, you would be, you have great skill as a gymnast. Let's develop you into a great gymnast. Or you have great skill as an actor. Or you're really brilliant in math. Let's really bring you along with that. And, you know, and not subject you to being in with hoi polloi, being treated like, mm-hmm. you know, a punching bag for some dipshit who's going to peak at 18 and never achieve anything better than that, you know, other than working at the car dealership later or whatever it is he's going to turn out to do. But he's not destined for to be the remarkable among us are not treated. We need to do for the remarkable among us what we are, I think, attempting to do for those with special needs. Mm -hmm. They need to be identified and separated out of the population and not subjected to the kind of brutality. And I I don't think that anybody should be subjected to the brutality that, that, but that shouldn't be the deciding factor on whether or not you succeed in school. I wonder like the Shropshire lab, you know, how many geniuses are buried that we never discovered because Mm -hmm. they became so discouraged by being humiliated, tortured, whatever, in this hideous environment. I went to a— Lord of the Flies environment that that has become our public education system. It's disgraceful. I went to a really um, exclusive, fine, private high school in New Orleans with a reputation. And the saying about it was that the alumni fund always had trouble because the smartest graduates had been treated so terribly while they were there— that they had no interest in giving money back when they became right. successful. I and you know, and that's not a public school. You're you're describing a situation prevalent in a lot of public schools where everybody's thrown in together. What do you think about there is a school in Alabama, and this is not the first time I've heard of this, but this is called the Magic City Acceptance Academy, and it is an LGBT welcoming, I don't think it's exclusive to them, educational institution that is trying to protect these kids in these hostile environments, give them their own school. I, I made a donation. to The Sapphire Sunset was recently included in Colleen Hoover's The Bookworm Box, which was a, a great honor, and I was one of the first queer romances to ever be included. Cool. It's a subscription that's so box. great. Congratulations. It, thank you. It's a nonprofit, and they said, you know, you can pick a charity. And so I picked the Magic City Acceptance Academy because naturally they have to fund their own security force to protect these kids because people will drive by the school. What do you think about the idea of removing LGBT students from 
educational institutions and putting them in their own space like that? I think it's like the lady who said she wished she hadn't gone to the all-girl Catholic school. Yeah. I think you have to live in the world as it exists. I think at this point it's probably a pretty good idea, but I think a better idea would be to genuinely protect and enforce Mm -hmm. rules of behavior in public school. Yeah. You know, where there is really um, severe consequences. Like, I think the groups that ought to be separated out and forced to go to school together are the bullies. Mm -hmm. I think those kids ought to be dumped into a vat to beat the shit out of each other. And you experience bullying. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, daily. Incredible Mm -hmm. violence. I... I don't even quite know how I endured it. Like, as a child, you don't really have any basis for comparison, so you mm-hmm. just assume this is the way life is. But, yeah, like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, I just – I would never do that to a child. It's why I feel so strongly. Right. Like, yeah. I think children are wonderful and adorable and the hope for the future and would never subject a child to what I was subjected to um, most of my life in, yeah. in, in public education. It was just – was hideous. Yeah. So yeah, like I, I do think, but I think the group that ought to be separated out is the problems, not mm-hmm. the, not the the gay kids or the smart kids or the talented kids or any of the other kids. I think the kids that ought to be, you know, really taken down, really. Yeah. Um. I brought to understand. I don't want to crush them. I don't want to crush anybody's spirit. But I don't think that believing that you need to crush other people's spirits is a notion that needs to be encouraged. Mm -hmm. We do not as a country, I think value education or intelligence very highly at all. Really? Yeah. I don't really see that, Mm -hmm. you know, like I, I think that we've gotten, you know, mixed signals along the way from marketing and a lot of other things that have convinced us that things are valuable that really probably aren't very valuable. It's always baffled me. That football, I went to a big football school. Yeah. A lot of schools in the South are. Football is such a center of the of the social life, of the academic life, of the budget, of the funding. It's a recruitment tool. How many people graduate and go on to have football careers? Even out of the football players, how many people are going to get drafted by the NFL? This is a lot of energy. Or even get a college scholarship yeah, out of it. Like right. probably not a very big percentage. It's a very small percentage. And I don't think there's anything wrong with playing sports. No, I think that's no. great. But, but it, it's but, the supremacy but, that's given yeah, to it. Yeah. I, that I do think is really fucked up. Yeah. I think that is really um, a problem. I think that we should be spending on education the way we spend on the military. Yeah. Like, I think we should just be lavishing funds on education so that we were we were producing the best educated um, young people in the world. And that's how, you know, we'd have I think if we spent like we did, if I think if we spent that way, we would have cold water fusion. Mm, mm-hmm. We would have a solution to um, climate change or uh, so many hosts of other problems because those solutions are coming from. Right. The, the the vaccines for covid came from really smart people, mm-hmm. you know, not from people who just accidentally spilled two chemicals together in the lab. It was really right, an achievement. Right. They were actually really smart people. And I just don't see that we're doing enough to encourage that. No. Hunter Robertson, who is our Virginia correspondent. We have a Florida correspondent in Amy Bellino. We have a Virginia one in Hunter. He says, to quote my personal Lord and Savior. Absolutely. 
I'm not quite sure who he's quoting there. I don't want to assume it's me, uh, but I say absolutely a lot. I have said for years that if I could do it all again, knowing then what I know now, I would have done it differently. I wouldn't have been so terrified to be myself. Here, here. I wouldn't have hunched over to try not to be noticed as here, my here. posture would have benefited. I would have told my crush how I felt. Yes. I went to a public county school where football was the only thing that mattered. Typical cliche small town high school. I would have been more outspoken, bold, and brave. Spoke my mind. Biggest regret is not being brave enough to tell my crush how I felt until the summer after graduation before he left for college. That and beating the spit out of my bullies. <laughs> what are we doing about bullying now? Like, what's the policy? Is it just like, you I'm, hear I'm all this talk so about it. I'm so removed from it yeah. that I really don't know. But the thing that we're not doing is changing the structure of school. Yeah. Like, I just, like, if it's still an issue, then we're really doing something seriously wrong. And I think it's still an issue. Yeah, I think it's still an issue. I just, there's way too much anti-bullying stuff going on. Yeah. Like, I really do think that, you know, the very first thing we ought to be doing is removing the bullies from the general population. Yeah. Stephen M. Fink says, there are a few things I would do differently. One, I would have gone all the way with my first love, who was technically my first, but not really my actual first, with a guy anyway. Wasn't all that spectacular, and not because it hurt like some guy's first time, but because I couldn't feel it at all. Oh, wow. <laughs> this went in a different direction oh, than wow, I was okay. expecting. Also, I probably wouldn't have gone all the way with a girl in high school, but that's mostly because she turned into a murderer Christmas of my senior year. Her story would actually make oh an exciting God. true crime documentary. I should say so, Stephen. Please message us more. About this. I came out my junior year of high school. I think I should have waited a few years. While I didn't get yeah. harassed much because of it, it would have made my home life easier and maybe it would have broken wouldn't have broken up my mother's second marriage. Wow. Oh dear. That's, That's actually, not on you. That was actually yeah. on them. That's actually one of the better parts. The last night I saw him, he said one of us would be leaving and it wouldn't be me. Jesus. Mom chose me over him. Would have appreciated mom more, but she was also she was gone by the time I was twenty four. Oh. Uh, we'll speed up here because the second part is about Natalie Gutermanson's response. She says, well, you would have to pay me a lot of money to go back in time to relive my high school years. However, if I did go back, I would try to pass grade 12 physics class and I would get my driver's license right away rather than waiting until my mid-20s. As for the rest of the experience, I have no comment. <laughs> and so Stephen goes on to say, and like Natalie, I would also get my driver's license instead of waiting although it was early 20s for me, 21 to be exact. There are probably a dozen other things I would change too if I could, but those are the main points. Although, after thinking about it, I kind of wish I had joined the military after high school because I think it would have done some good for me, but that's a bit off topic. I feel like everybody ended their response like, well, that's a bit off topic or I'm going on a tangent, but it's like, it's a testament to how connected these issues are to our sense of self and identity. <laughs> I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the dinner party show, no spaces, and we'll do our best to answer it on the show. Just watch out for our aggrieved manservant, Shea Butters. He moderates the page and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is true, though. We can discuss this later. That's right, at facebook.com slash the dinner party show. No, I meant in the car. 
Hi, I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and I'd like to take a moment to congratulate my co-host and producing partner, Christopher Rice. He's got not one, but four new books coming out in 2022. But today, I'd like to tell you about one in particular, a standalone thriller called Decimate. It's the terrifying story of what happens to our kitchen here at the studio um, when I ask Christopher to make the tea. Y- yeah, no. When I said improvise the promo, I didn't say you could make shit up. I am not making this up. Look at that kitchen. Okay. Hi, party people. Decimate is actually a thriller about telekinesis and near-death experiences, the page-turning tale of a woman who becomes convinced her brother is being held hostage by a supernatural force following his death in a fiery plane crash. It has nothing to do with tea or our kitchen, and you can pre-order it on Amazon now. And while it is spine-tingling and terrifying, it is nothing compared to what I'm going to have to order off of Amazon to clean up that kitchen. Will you shut up about tea and our kitchen? Oh, I never shut up about tea. And no episode of our podcast is complete without a comment from our top fan, our Florida correspondent, Amy Bellino. I don't think Although I we would... left her out last week. We, we leave... Oh, fuck. <laughs> we did. I'm so sorry, Amy. Sorry, Amy. Uh, Amy says this. I don't think I would. And she's saying to doing the high school over. Yeah. Assuming time travel was an option... Reliving or altering a high school experience would not be my choice of how to use that gift. Good choice. It would seem a wiser choice to go back and talk to a certain dude and say, look, a lot of people are going to listen to what you have to say, and it's really important that you write down exactly what you mean in your own words so no one is paraphrasing what you taught long after you died into the scripture that shapes the world according to mankind's greed and spotlights the worst of humanity for 20 centuries or so. And then I would hand him a pen and one of those nice journal notebooks you get at Target and then get him started. So tell me what it was like in the beginning. (laughs) Right? And a a waterproof box to put it in. Yes. So that it would survive through the years. Totally. Yes, at the very least. Rebecca Rebecca Brooke Turner says she would have tried to be less of a loner and to get out more. Maybe join drama club because sports was never going to be my thing, but I could do drama. We had a ball. You should have come. Angelina Farmer, she of the Wednesday question. Yes. I don't think I really want to relive high school, especially if I know then what I know now. And if I didn't, I probably wouldn't make many changes, as at the time, they seemed like the right ones to me. High school, thankfully, wasn't the best years of my life. I feel sorry for anyone who says they were theirs. But it was quite the emotional roller coaster, and I do wish, with my adult understanding of this world, that I did a few things differently. But there's little use thinking about what could have been. Oh, my God. I was was such a drama queen in high school. Everything just seems so important when you're that age. Oh, my God. So crushingly important. And then you realize this is really never going to matter. I'm just completely... This is our last summer! (laughs) (laughs) We're never going to be able to do that! Like, oh, my God. Totally. Gina Rowden says, I would have gotten involved in theater. I handed out programs for Bye Bye Birdie my junior year, and I wanted to be on stage but lacked the confidence. I'm happy to report I've been on stage most of my adult life. 
Now if I could just get paid for it. Hashtag community theater. Oh, yeah. But, you know, even if it was professional, now you can just have fun. If it was professional theater, you still would be making any money at it. But yeah. But it would be a lot more crucial. Patricia Seneville says I would be less shy. Maria Jason says I have zero regrets. But if given a second chance, I definitely would have made better choices than the friends I hung out with. I would have finished high school as well. I was a second-year senior. I did not graduate because I thought I was too cool for gym class. <laughs> well, there's a choice. <laughs> Neil Mason. I actually have PTSD from high school and have mentally blocked the majority of it out. I don't think things could be any different. And as horrible as a lot of my past experiences were, it has made me stronger, more compassionate, and I don't put up with any shit now. Good for you. I used to be a very meek person. I'm so far the opposite now and pretty damn happy. Yeah, it. there were aspects of it, like the stuff that the violence and the physical assaults and those things are, yeah, there's no real, like I, like I wouldn't, like I had a ball in high school, but I would not want to go back through that again. Not even with the potential that you could do something differently, that you could change the past, like the Peggy Sue got married thing. Actually, I don't know if she changes the past. I think she just goes back and like, like she just she tells the math teacher that she knows from from experience that she's never going to need this. So <laughs> she really does so fuck off. And she um, hangs out with the poet guy that she thinks yeah. is cool now and didn't think was yeah. cool then, and yeah. doesn't really pursue the guy. But she ends yeah. up doing exact winding up in exactly the same place and yeah. in love with the same guy and the destiny of her own life and whatever. I you know like I'm not really sure what that would be like my like. I think so many of us think that if other people behave differently, life would be better. And we're probably right. Yeah. But that's not in my purview. If that's the offer, if I could change other people, mm -hmm. if I could change the nature of the system mm -hmm. and the way that things went down, yes, mm -hmm. that would be. But that's, you know, not an offer. What would I do differently? I've said, you know, I've ag I agreed with you. I would be I would have been more. I would have been more adventuresome in terms of my own sexuality um, than I was even as early as it was and as risky as it was there. I think there was more opportunity than I realized. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I, I would have been less worried about stuff yeah. in general. But I had a good time and I wouldn't do it again. Yeah. Like it was, it was brutal and ugly and being a, 108 pound gay boy in Columbia, South Carolina in mm -hmm. the 1970s was dicey and unpleasant. Yeah. A lot of the time. And I made the best of it. And I think that's kind of what I got out of the experience. Right. I had lunch with Lowry Green, my mm -hmm. drama teacher from my beginning in high school. She left, but, and went to Brown where she was yeah. your drama teacher or something. I, I she didn't, was, she taught a speech class that was incredibly popular. I never took it. I didn't stay at Brown very long to be frank, but, um, anyway. But yeah, yeah. that she ended up at Brown, but, yeah. um, she was, um, I don't know where I was going with that. Oh, uh, I had lunch yes. with her. I had lunch with her recently and, we had a good time. She's living out here now. Her children are out here. And so she came to live out here after she retired from Brown. And um, she, at a certain point, was just looking at me. She said, you know, you haven't really changed at all. And I was like, no, because at about 16, I figured out how I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. 
in the world. And part of it, I think, was I'm going to make the best of the situation. Yeah even if it's not a great situation. And that was kind of what high school was for me. I made the best out of the worst, you know, out of the yeah. worst. Like, because there was still plenty. I'm with, um, I'm with Trevor. Like, it yeah. was, was it Trevor? Who was it who said the, um, <clears throat> I think he had the PTSD. Neil. Neil. That was Neil Mason. Sorry, yeah. Neil. Um, yeah. Um, I, I, I'm with that. It was, there was a lot of ugliness and I, yeah. I, with if I could cause that not to be there, I'm not even sure if I'd do it again then. I'm not big on that, the going back. I'm not really big. The idea of time travel terrifies me. Just terrifies me to have to be because, and I'm a member of a group of, of people. I'm a member of a group of people for whom it has gotten progressively better as time has gone on. So the idea of going back to pre-gay marriage exactly. and I mean it's like oh fuck no like I always say I would not go back a minute before there was penicillin and right. air conditioning yeah like, totally just not interested like the belief in the good old days is erroneous it yeah. is an illusion propagated by you knew what my father told me contemporaries once. it's just nonsense he told me once he said you know when it was really great and I was like what he's like the 40s man the 40s were amazing and I was like you were six, like you were being taken care of by your mother. The and, 40s were terrible for the, black and, people. The uh, 40s were terrible. There was a war. The World like, War II was what raging are you talking about? most of the 40s. Like that's, yeah. but that's a, a, the, the incredible, you know, like, no, it wasn't. Like things have actually consistently gotten better as time has gone along. And yeah. Can I quote Anais Nin without you kicking me off the podcast for being pretentious and literary? <laughs> Anais Nin said, we don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. He says as he just sips his coffee in his Parisian cafe. Yeah, less here than meets the eye. Yeah. <laughs> That's Tallulah um, Bankat. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, I think that's about it. It's you're not actually perceiving the world as it is. You're perceiving the world as it relates and reacts to you. Right. Yeah. Everybody's world is different than everybody else's. I think the most miraculous thing about life is that we are all how many ever billion of us there are having a completely unique experience of exactly the same thing. Yeah, totally. That's just that is divine. Yeah. Whatever the divinity might be. Whatever the source might be, that is a truly divine aspect of life. Okay, we have two responses I haven't gotten to yet. Christopher DeWitt oh, says, very okay. simply, he would have joined the theater program sooner, he would have come out sooner, and he would have fought back. Similar to Neil's response. Good for Christopher. Marie Brandt took us into the world of music. If I could travel back to my old high school days, I'd want to choose percussion and band right from the start instead of being a clarinetist for two torturous years. My clarinet years... Had me hanging out with the wrong crowd. Those clarinet players. Wow, the I didn't know clarinetists were so gangsta. Well, that's the you know the girl from uh, Allison Hannigan's character. Oh, from, was you know one time at Van Camp. I, yeah, she put yeah. a clarinet up there. Uh, like that's oh, that's where that's what she did with her clarinet. Shit. Marie, that can't be what you're I, talking we about. We don't want to imply anything. We but there's a lot of anything. emoji. The, it's sunglasses. I'm just thinking weed. I'm thinking it was the cool kids were playing clarinet and they smoked a lot of pot. Well, I would think the jazz kids were required to smoke pot as what as it a, was the rule. It was a, it was a course requirement? But yeah. so maybe it's that she was hanging out in too many jazz clubs and being yeah. a little too cool for school. Yeah, I wish I had. I do wish I had stuck with. Um, I guess piano mm -hmm. 
we kept moving. Mm-hmm. I would start piano lessons. I would have them for a year and a half, and then we would move, and I would have to start again. And I did that for a while, and I finally got sick of it. Yeah. And I quit it. I quit. I would love to be able to play the piano. Yeah. Okay. Something I might still teach myself mm-hmm. to do or right. find somebody to teach me to do. Totally. Even now. Totally. Even now but when yeah, I have come so far. But it's really easy to say if I had known then what I know now. And that's not possible. That's like well, saying if I could bend time and space. Right. I wouldn't have been a teenager. Right. Um, but yeah, that's the, that's what's implied in our, I think, in the, I would really, I would have made more of an effort with people sexually because yeah. now I can see what was actually going on. Whereas mm-hmm. at the time I was far more intimidated than that. But that's a result of being older, of yeah. being able to understand people's motivations and behavior. Part of the biggest thing that I think we're learning in high school is how to be with other people. Yeah. How to get along with them, how to conduct yourself and how to have, how to take responsibility more for your own choices and actions. And I think that you need a period in your life when you can fuck that up without it being very consequential. Yeah, totally. Cause I think that's so what high school is about. Yeah, totally. Otherwise, up. yeah, without, severe life consequences like even though at the time you think oh my god when everybody finds out it's just going to be the end of everything and you know it when in fact within 90 days to six months after having graduated you will not think of any of the people that you are concerned about what they're going to think of ever again for the rest of your life and before facebook you never had to think of them again really at all but then facebook was like oh my god why are they friend request oh my god it's her oh my god it's him <laughs> it's like and then you could look up people if you just wanted to know what had become of them yeah and i think that's sort of fun i yeah. think that's the way to find out about that sort of thing without ever having to go back to one of those fucking reunions that's my one piece done. of advice never Never got, unless you were, and I'm, even if you were the popular kid, then they'll just see that, you know, what it has been, you've turned out to be. But, um, yeah, I, that was the worst, that was the only real mistake I made with high school was I went to my 10 year reunion and was like, you people are horrible. Yeah. Wow. I am so sorry. Will not be doing this again. I'm never gone. Like, I do not recommend it. Like the people, the reason you haven't seen them is because, you know. Well, I wrote a book about all those people. They are. I'm writing a book about all of you. I did, and they uh, yeah. all read it, apparently. Yeah, and well, had good. opinions about it. Well, good. I think that'll teach the little fuckers. Yeah, some of them, whatever. Any, anyway, <sighs> everybody drink, because I made it about me, but we are actually talking about ourselves yeah, on this episode. Yeah, I just, it's, it's, people, I thought people would have moved past a lot of the things that made them horrible, the bullying stuff, the... Saying shitty things about how people look or dress. I was attacked for how I was dressed, and guys were making, you know, is he dating? Mm. You know, doing like that kind of. Also, everybody's drunk at a reunion, so they're their worst self. I guess they were. Like, I don't know. It was just. I'm not excusing them. I'm just saying that's one more reason not to go. I was astonished. I really thought it would be like, won't it be interesting? We'll all be, we'll have outgrown this, and we'll right, all be yeah. able to, like, see each other. 
you know, getting older and having lives. And it was not that. It was more of the same. And I was so, that just broke my heart. It really did. I was just like, yeah, this is not worth it. I Mm -hmm. I thought you guys might actually have changed by now. And they didn't. And I was never willing to chance it again after that. Yeah, totally. If you do go wait like 50 years or something, and then maybe the assholes will be dead. Yeah, totally. I don't know that they'll be better, but that's they'll be very gone. Spiritual. Very, I'm very, very spiritual. Very, um, Wait until the assholes are dead. Um, um, yeah, that's that's kind of my yeah, that's my best advice about reunions. I, I just think they're dubious. So, um, good visit from Jordan Ambersand this week. How did it go? I hear we've got a yeah. So we're just going right there. Well, you know, we asked Jordan weighed in on the same topic as as everybody else, and and we. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. All we right. talked about it. I was mostly trying. How, like, how old do you think I Jordan is? I don't think is? we're allowed to talk about that. I think there's something in the contract that says I don't. I don't want to hear. I, I heard from his lawyer about that. So let's. Just his talk. lawyer? Yeah. I don't. There. He said he was his lawyer, but I know him. He's also like his drug dealer. You know. He's totally yeah. not his lawyer. Okay. I th- would not be worried about Jordan's lawyer. I'd like lawyer. to give people the benefit of the doubt, but yeah, he did um, sound like he was outside. Anyway, I did my anyway. best to try and figure out when he might have graduated from oh. high school or if he'd ever been. Okay. Well, this yeah. would be interesting then. Well, I, it was, I, otherwise I wouldn't be interested in talking to him at all. So I know. We got it. We got anyway, to keep it fresh. Anyway, basically we got him to weigh in on the same question as everybody else on what he would have done differently. Okay, great. I can't wait to hear it. Well, there's one more person we asked to share their high school experience with us, and that's critic at large, Jordan Ampersand. Not that we actually care, but I, for one, would like to find out just when or if the little monster went to high school. Oh, here he comes now, and he's got shopping bags, a, a lot of them. They're mementos from my high school experience. All right, and so, uh... We asked our party people what they would do differently if they had high school to do over again. How would you answer that Nothing. Question? It was all perfect. I loved it. Really? What's your favorite memory from high school? Probably my guidance counselor, Donna. First day of school, she spritzed me with this new cologne, and I was like, Bitch, you hit me with that cheap swill again. I will cut you like we are in a fish market. And she was like, oh, my God, the gays are my favorite. You're going to be my new best friend. Wow, your guidance counselor sounds very progressive. She was going through a rough divorce. Mm. I was the child she never had. Uh. That's why she taught me how to do just the right amount of cocaine. What kind of high school was this, Jordan? The kind with hot pretzels and a movie theater and all the latest trends. That sounds more like a shopping mall. It was! A really nice one with a lot of rich people. I arranged for an independent study in fashion. I didn't see a classroom between my sophomore and junior year. What about senior year? Huh? There's another year after junior year. Oh. So exactly when did you graduate? At the end of my independent study. How did you manage to arrange this independent study in the first place? Well, I had a couple meetings with Vice Principal Stevens while he was running away from me towards his car, and finally I convinced him the classroom was too confining for someone like me. 
I was just accomplishing too much. Oh. I had spray painted new accent stripes on the theater building. I was already running a puppy mill out of the science lab. Oh, dear. I'd convinced one of the security guards to pose for nudes. I mean, in another few months, I was going to be out earning most of the teachers. The halls were just not going to contain me. Did they try a prison cell? Also, Mr. Stevens wasn't getting the medical treatment he needed, so I connected him with my mom's pill cabinet. I see. A lot of drugs in this story already. So, uh, which store at the mall did you do your independent study with? Oh, all of them. You know, like, oh, it started with me being the student, and then they realized it was the student who was the teacher. I bet. Especially the places that wanted to make a mark with young people. I know exactly how they felt. You've left plenty of marks over the years. Uh, so, what was the name of this fabulous mall where you did all of this wonderful learning? I don't know. Something French that means rich. But the moral is this. Make your own destiny. Don't let other people hold you back, especially if they're not cute. So what did you bring us today? Oh, um, I brought some samples from my high school days, and since I'm so young, they're still hip and trendy. Oh, yeah. But they were all limited edition, so they're mm. totally collectibles now. Oh, is that how that works? Here, try this. It was a special perfume for ladies called Pillow. <laughs> Uh, not bad, but why does the label on the bottom say Vera Wang? What? No, shut up. Give me that. Just give Did me that. we confuse limited edition with discontinued? No, no, here, try this. This was a special sparkling water with a more aggressive aftertaste. It was supposed to be for the Joe Rogan market. It was called Rotter. You know, like roar and water. Yeah, I got it. So, uh, hold on. Let me, let me take a sip. <laughs> this is Crystal Pepsi, Jordan. Crystal, Tina is not invited to my party. She's too down market. Here, here's something way nicer. Viola. It makes the air clean, see? It's like totally cutting edge. That's an Ionic Breeze air purifier. They practically put Sharper Image out of business. <laughs> Consumer Reports accuse them of polluting the air, not cleaning it. Jordan, you have two choices no. here as I see it. No. You can either admit no. that you went no. to high school a long no, time ago, or you can admit that your independent study was please, at an please. outlet mall. That's it. I'm leaving. Excellent. No, Jordan, wait. Take the air purifier. Jordan! Too bad he didn't bring one of those massage chairs. Those were great. So, I, I I still have the Iconic Breeze. Wait, do we have to... I think it's Ionic Breeze. Do we have to keep it in here? <laughs> well, it's unplugged. Okay, yeah, but it's still, like, emitting part of... Like, it really almost bankrupted that company. What did it do? I Well, it didn't do what it said it did, and then it, and in addition to that, it was... Honestly, what actually bankrupted the company was Sharper Image deciding twice to try to sue Consumer Reports. That's, That's what I heard. Really funny. And they it really pissed off Consumer Reports. Like I'll really, bet. they really countersued, and I think. It, that's what nearly bankrupted. I would think that Sharper. that would be yeah. yeah. One what, it, that wouldn't be the group to go after for uh, for that sort of thing. Yeah, I just knew that it had been a bad. Um, decision for them in terms yeah. of the their market position. But yeah, does, does Sharper Image still exist? I, I think they still have a mail order catalog, but I don't think it's about catalog. They don't innovate with get their own gadgets anymore. I think they just, for a while, they were selling Trump steaks. Yeah. Well. So it's like there. And the guy who started it was forced out 
with only $20 million, which oh. when the company was at its peak, he could have made way more than he did. But by the oh. time he was forced out... He, you know the one that story that is the most heartbreaking is the guy who sold I can't, I can't. Victoria I Secret. That's horrible. But there's a Time Warner story, too. Like a guy who was in the... He waited too long, and he lives in an apartment in Marina Del Rey now, yeah. and he was one of the richest men in the planet. Anyway, stories like that drive me crazy. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. Anyway. Timing. Timing. It's all about timing. It's all about timing. Well, until next week and forever after, I'm Christopher Rice. <laughs> well, I guess that's the end of the show. Yeah. So I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you've been listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. Thanks. This is TDPS.